Welcome to the Beyond Fitness Podcast. This is your host, Cade Howell, and I just want to say thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so today we're doing part two to the 40 things that I wish I knew before I got in shape. So the first one, I was planning on doing it in just one go, a full episode, but then I started going on some tangents and things like that and wanted to give more context to things. So it ended up being a little bit longer than I anticipated. And so we broke it up into two parts. So this is the second part to that. If you haven't listened to the first one, it's not like it goes in order of importance or anything, but I would go back and listen to the first one too, just so you you get the full 40 things because this is going to be the last 20 of the total 40 things that I wish I knew before I got in shape and before I really started taking fitness seriously. So I think you'll get some good takeaways from it. So let's jump right in. All right, jumping right in. Number 20, take progress photos. I know it's uncomfortable. It feels weird to take a picture of yourself without very many clothes on. Like, I get it. It's it's kind of kind of awkward. But I promise you won't regret it. You're going to look back three months from now and you're going to look at your week one progress photo versus your week 12 progress photo and you're going to be really glad you took those photos because chances are you'll actually see some progress where if you didn't you know you see yourself in the mirror every single day it's like watching your kid grow up or your dog grow up or whatever you don't see those things happen consistently until you look back at a picture of them when they were a little baby and it's like wow things have obviously changed. It's the same thing with progress photos and seeing yourself in the mirror every day. You don't see consistent changes when you see it every day, but if you actually compare a side-by-side from week one versus week 12, you can compare more objectively, and you're not just relying on the scale, which can get in your head, obviously, because if you stay the same weight for three months and you're just looking at the scale, you're going to tell yourself, oh, I haven't made any progress over these last three months. But if you look at your progress photos, you might be the same weight, but your body composition can be a lot different. You could have a lot more muscle and a lot less body fat, and that's great progress. That's better progress than just losing weight. So take progress photos. I promise you'll be glad you did. 21, find someone to support you and hold you accountable. Fitness is not the easiest thing in the world, or we'd all just be in great shape. So it helps to have somebody in your corner, somebody rooting for you and holding you to your commitment. So whether it's a spouse or a friend, a gym buddy, or maybe even a coach. And if you, hopefully you know where to find a decent coach, wink, wink, nod, nod, but seriously have some type of a support system. It helps a ton in staying consistent and staying motivated. Number 22, stop aggressively dieting. There's a balance where, yeah, you want to be aggressive enough that you're seeing progress consistently and you're staying motivated, but you don't want to take that too far where it's like you're just starving yourself and eating very little food because for one, that's just, it's going to suck. You're going to hate life. And two, your metabolism is going to downregulate, which it's not like this terrible, scary thing of, oh, I'm breaking my metabolism because your metabolism is going to downregulate any, either way, if you diet slowly, if you diet aggressively, like your metabolism is going to downregulate because your body gets more efficient with the calories that are coming in 
and as you lose weight, your body requires fewer calories. But if you're being very aggressive with it, it's going to happen a little bit quicker. You risk losing muscle, which that is going to decrease your metabolism as well. And there's just a lot of not so great things that happen when people are overly aggressive. So if you're losing more than about 1% of your body weight per week consistently, you probably want to look at things and probably increase your food intake a little bit to slow things down. Number 23, any diet can work, but they all work through creating a calorie deficit. I remember intermittent fasting was a big thing when I was like really getting into fitness. And so I, I tried intermittent, intermittent fasting and it worked and I was like, Oh, this thing is magical. And I, you know, I listened to people on the internet talking about all of the magical ways that intermittent fasting can help you lose weight and help with cell autophagy and like decreasing cancer risk and all those things. And yeah, sure. Maybe it does have some health benefits, but it doesn't do anything magical in terms of creating more fat loss than a good old regular calorie deficit. It worked because I was eating during a smaller window. I was only eating for about eight hours a day compared to the 16 or whatever before. And yeah, if you're eating in a smaller window, you're probably going to consume fewer calories and that can create a calorie deficit. It's the same thing with keto or any other type of diet. Keto, you know, you're cutting out an entire fruit food group. So yeah, you're probably going to consume fewer calories. So if a diet works, the only way it worked was actually helping you manage your calorie intake and creating a deficit. And going in line with that, number 24, if you're not losing weight, you're by definition not in a calorie deficit. I hear this a lot and I used to think this of like, oh, you know, I've been in a calorie deficit for the past two months, but I'm not losing weight. And at the end of the day, if you haven't lost weight for two months, you haven't been in a calorie deficit consistently. Maybe you were in a calorie deficit most of those days. Actually, that's a possibility. But then you had every single weekend, you were in a really big calorie surplus and it just wiped out the deficit that you're having all the other days. Like that is a possibility. And that's probably what's happening when you hear people say like, I'm eating in a calorie deficit, but I'm not losing weight. Yeah, you are Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, you go crazy. And that negates the deficit that you were in the previous five days. So those things I wish I understood back in the day. And number 25, a big one, carbs don't make you fat. I remember thinking that fewer the fewer carbs I ate, the better because carbs are the main source of energy for your body. And so if you're bringing in all this energy, but then you're not expending it through cardio and stuff, like it's obviously just, it's just going to be stored as body fat. When that's not the case, it does come down to your overall calorie intake and not how many carbs you're consuming. And then once I started actually prioritizing having more carbs in my diet for my training performance, like I did notice a big difference in how I could actually perform in the gym and my energy levels. Um, and I enjoyed my life more because carbs are tasty. And I, I don't know about you, but I need some carbs in my life to actually have a sustainable diet and enjoy my life. So that's a big thing to consider too. Number 26, stop doing things because they worked for someone else. If you got, you know, Becky in your office preaching about this new crazy diet she's on, don't just 
think, oh, it worked for Becky. It's going to work for me. I'm going to go try it. It's not how it works. You know, Becky's probably tried a lot of different things and they've all worked, quote unquote, for some time, but then something happens and they, they don't work. So everyone is different. You're not Becky. Becky's not you. It's not going to work for you. I'm not, I shouldn't say that it's not going to work for you, but it's not going to work for you like it did for Becky. It could not work at all for you or it could work better. So don't, don't just do it because it worked for someone else. Do what's going to work for you, which always comes down to first and foremost, what's actually sustainable and realistic for you. And then you can tweak things and see and experiment a little bit of like what's going to work best or most optimally for you. Number 27, calories matter most, but the quality of those calories is still important. I remember once I figured out that, okay, like to control my body weight, I just, I just need to control my calories. And yeah, that's, that's great. You know, that's, that is the most important thing. But, you know, it's not like I can just survive off of Pop-Tarts. I mean, technically you can, but the quality of those calories coming in is going to obviously affect your overall health, your energy levels, how easy it is to control your calories. Because think, if you're eating 2,000 calories worth of Pop-Tarts, which that's what, maybe like 10 Pop-Tarts or something, it's going to be pretty hard to like stay full throughout the entire day off 10 Pop-Tarts. I could eat 10 Pop-Tarts in one sitting, and I probably have when I was a kid. Not even kidding. I I used to pound the, the Pop-Tarts, especially the brown sugar cinnamon ones. If you think any other Pop-Tart is better than that, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Brown sugar cinnamon is the best. But you compare that, you know, 10 Pop-Tarts a day versus, you know, 2,000 calories worth of potatoes and vegetables and lean protein sources and fruit and things like that like that's a lot more filling and so it's not just the nutrients that come in those things compared to pop tarts it's how actual how satiating it is overall and all right what number are we on here 28 surround yourself with people who support your goals not discourage you for them it is a common thing once you start a diet you start prioritizing your health going to the gym consistently like you're going to get some comments here and there of like oh you know just have a life like be flexible you don't need to go to the gym right now like just take a day off and yeah there's you know you don't want to be that person that like only cares about their diet and workouts because yeah those people aren't the most enjoyable people but at the same time you do want you don't want to be the other end of the spectrum where it's like you don't care at all about your diet or workouts like you want that happy medium and usually when people make comments about you you know eating super clean or going to the gym or caring too much it's usually based out of their own insecurity that they're not prioritizing the same things that you are and it's easier for them to pull other people down to their level instead of pulling themselves up to other people's levels and so feel for them on that but i would recommend starting to look for people that are going to encourage you and support you for your goals and be proud of you for going to the gym and prioritizing your health and things like things like that it just it, it goes back to having a support system it makes a big difference number 29 if it's not sustainable for you don't do it i think i've said enough on that simple as that Number 30, if you're really serious, hire a coach. 
Improving your body and health is the best investment you can make. Maybe I'm slightly biased. I don't think so because I have had a coach for a long time. I've spent thousands of dollars on having my own coaches and prioritizing my own health and learning from other people. And so I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk as well. And I can tell you, it has been literally those having those coaches has been the best investment I've ever made personally. It's been a game changer. So if you're really serious, you know, look into hiring a coach, at least consider it. It'll save you a lot of time, energy, and stress trying to just figure it out all on your own, and you'll probably accomplish your goals a lot quicker. Number 31, healthy food isn't as expensive as you think. Eating out is what's actually expensive. If you do the math, like an average, it's crazy. If you go to McDonald's or something, like you get like an average meal with a burger and fries and a soda and stuff, it's like 10 bucks at least, which, you know, if you make a meal from home, you know, you cook some rice, you have some ground beef or some chicken or whatever it is, some frozen veggies or fresh veggies. If you're really bougie, I like the the frozen because I can just throw them in. They're quick. They're easy. They taste the same to me. You do that. That's like, you might've spent like two, $3 on that meal. So people always complain about healthy food being expensive, but then they eat out like five times a week. And it's like, all right, you know, you're spending twice as much on five meals a week compared to the other meals that you're having at home, but you know, something, something's not adding up here. So just remember healthy food really isn't that expensive. Number 32, don't worry about supplements until you sleep at least seven hours a night or close to that. If it's not super realistic, you control your calorie and protein intake and exercise consistently. This was, you see people all the time, you know, they start their fitness journey and they go straight to like the supplements. That was me. I was like, I started, it's like, all right, went to the the supplement shop, got these recommendations from the supplement owner. He's like, you need to start on this and you need to start on this. And there was actually some deep, like creatine was one he recommended. Like, yeah, it was decent, but there was like BCAAs and stuff that were just completely unnecessary. And I remember I fizzled out about you know a month in and then those supplements just sat there in my uh in my pantry forever and they just kind of collected dust so at the end of the day you want to focus on the big rocks the main things that are going to make a difference which is your sleep your calorie and protein intake and just your nutrition as a whole and your exercise those things right there are going to make up the vast majority, like 90% of your progress. And then all the tiny little things like the supplements. And if you start worrying about nutrient timing and like the best food sources, the best workout split, all those other things, that's going to make up like the last 10%. So focus on the big things first, and then you can throw in the supplements and stuff like that later on. And going in line with that, number 33, most supplements really aren't worth your money. I wouldn't stress about having all of the best supplements out there. I would roll with a good old creatine monohydrate, a whey protein, maybe a multivitamin just to, as kind of an insurance supplement to make sure you're getting in all of your micronutrients, maybe an omega-3 for a similar thing if you're not eating a lot of fatty fish or foods really high in omega-3s, maybe some magnesium or vitamin D. Um, those would be kind of 
ones that depend on the individual. Um, magnesium is good before bed. It can help with your sleep. And it's one of the more common, I don't want to say deficiencies, but one of the more common uh, supplements that people can benefit from. Similar thing with vitamin D, especially in the winter months when you're not getting a ton of sunlight. And outside of that, I wouldn't spend a ton of money on supplements. Number 34, stop neglecting your sleep even on the weekends. Weekend sleep counts just as much as your weekday sleep, just like your weekend calories count just as much as your weekday calories. So prioritize your sleep even on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Number 35, set protein targets per meal, not just per day. So an easy way to do this, divide your daily protein goal by the number of meals you have in a day, and that is your protein target per meal. So if you are trying to hit 160 grams of protein a day and you eat four meals, put your little thinking cap on, do some math, that's 40 grams per meal. And it's going to be much easier to say, okay, I'm just going to get 40 grams of protein in this meal. I'm going to get 40 grams in my next three. Instead of, I'm going to get 160 grams of protein a day, and then you get to your last meal of the day, and you're at 80 grams of protein. It's like, I got to throw down 80 grams of protein right here. Like, just break it up. Have protein targets per meal, and it'll be a lot easier. And then if you're behind and you only get, you know, 30 grams of protein one meal, it's like that's going to be a little bit easier to make up for later on instead of just like completely disregarding your protein target per meal and you have like 10 in your first meal and then like 20 in the next one and then you're way, way behind. So do that. That helps a lot to have a a target per meal. Number 36, if you're spending more than an hour and a half working out, you're probably doing unnecessary things. I see a lot of people do these super extensive warm-ups where they're doing all these like fancy foam rolling and dynamic stretching and all these crazy things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. You know, if you enjoy warmups like that, go for it. But it is unnecessary to do a crazy warmup like that. I will tell you my warmup, very simple. I start on the treadmill, walk, incline walk for like five minutes, get the juices flowing, you know, get the heart rate up a little bit, body temperature up. Then I go straight to my first exercise and I do warm-up sets. I don't just jump straight into a working weight. I build up in weight because the best warm-up for a specific exercise is going to be that exercise that actually is training the muscles that you're about to train in the same way that you're going to train them, the same angles and everything. Like That's going to be the most efficient way to warm up. So doing all the unnecessary things beforehand, it's probably not going to carry over a ton into the actual exercise you're doing. So I'll do, you know, three-ish warm-up sets, building up in weight, starting at a pretty lightweight for about 10 reps on the first warm-up set, going up a little bit, doing like five reps on the second warm-up set, and then a third warm-up set of like two or three reps, and then I jump into my working weight after that. And that's just a really time-efficient way and a very productive way to actually warm up. And number, what number are we on? 37, getting in shape alone won't make you a ton happier, but following through on your commitments will. We're getting deep here, baby. Um, I do remember like getting in shape for the first time. I was always self-conscious about my body growing up. Like I was just a little fluffy kid and yeah, I finally got in decent shape and I remember I was like, 
yeah, this isn't that much different. The only thing that was different is I did feel more confidence, more self-belief maybe is like the best way to put it. But it wasn't like confidence because I looked different on the outside. It was because I actually committed to doing something. Like I went through this six months of like doing something really challenging, being very consistent with my diet and exercise for the first time in my life. And I actually accomplished something that I had wanted to do for a really, really long time. I followed through with my commitments and that really improved my self-belief. It's like, all right, I can actually, I can do hard things. Then that carries over into other areas of your life. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me. It wasn't necessarily like, yeah, getting abs for the first time that changed my life. Like, yeah, that's your, your life's not going to be that different. Having this weird shape on your midsection doesn't change much, but the process of getting there changes a lot. Number 38, understand that reaching your goal is probably going to take a lot longer than you'd like it to. I remember getting into things and thinking like, I just got to dedicate like two months and I'll just be shredded. And that's not how, (laughs) it's not how how it works. Like I'm still, I, I don't think you ever reach this end goal where it's like, yep, I made it. I'm there. You know, like there's always going to be, once you hit your goal, like you just kind of move the goalpost, um, which is a cool thing too, because it's like fitness is a never ending journey and you want to constantly be working towards something because if you're just like accomplish your goal and that's it, like then what, you know, fitness is like actually doing the things consistently. So it's good to have a never ending goal. Number 39, stop rushing the process stay patient. I promise it's worth it. Similar to the one before of it's going to take a little bit longer than you'd like it to, but like anything worth doing it, you know, it's, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. So understand that and stay patient. Number 40, most importantly, I wish I, I knew that I could do this. So I know you can do this. And I know that you'll look back in five years, you're going to be shocked at what you accomplished. It just right now, it seems like, okay, can I actually do this thing? Like, am I, am I on the right track? But I promise if you continue just staying consistent, you're going to be really surprised at where you're at five years from now. And that's something that I wish I knew getting into it. And I would quit rushing things and thinking it had to happen super quickly or wondering if I even was cut out for it. It's like, I, I wish I just knew that like I can do it. And to you, I know you can do this. So just stay patient. Do your best to be as consistent as you can. Make it sustainable. And I promise you're going to look back and be very, very glad you did. Your future self will definitely thank you for it. So that's a wrap. That is the 40 things that I I wish I knew before I really jumped into fitness and took it seriously and got in shape. I think it would have helped me a ton. And I hope you got some good takeaways from this. If you have any thoughts or questions, you can always shoot me a message. Um, I have my Instagram linked in the description, so you can always message me there. And yeah, I hope it was helpful and we'll chat with you soon. I just want to say thank you for listening and I really hope that episode was helpful. And if it was, my only ask for you is please leave a rating or review on wherever you listen to this podcast. That would mean 
the world to me. It really helps us reach more people, help more people, and overall improve the podcast for you. So that is my one ask. If this was helpful, please leave that rating or review. And if you have any questions or need advice on anything, just message me on Instagram at Howell underscore fit, and I'm more than happy to help.